from the PRX Podcast Garage in Alston, Massachusetts. This is the Harvard and Alston Podcast, where we showcase exciting people, ideas, research, innovation, collaborations, partnerships, programs, and events that are making an impact in Alston and across Harvard's campus. From cutting-edge research to academic mentoring in local public schools, there are amazing things happening in Alston every single day. Today, we invite you to join us as we take a look at the evolution of a new joint degree program between the Harvard John A. Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, or SEEDS, and the Harvard Business School. This new MS-MBA program will explore the intersection of design and entrepreneurship and focus on preparing the next generation of technical leaders. It is slated to begin later on this summer and will benefit even more when the science and engineering complex opens next door to the business school in fall 2020. For now, we'll throw it over to our colleagues at the Harvard Business School who recently caught up with co-chairs Professor Tom Eisenman from HBS and Professor Robert Howe from SEAS. They were also joined by Dr. Beth Altringer from SEAS, one of the designers of the program. In June of 2015, Harvard University announced a $400 million gift, the largest in the school's history. Aside from the staggering amount, what made this gift unique was its intended use. The donor, John A. Paulson, a graduate of Harvard Business School, directed his gift to the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, uh, or SEAS for short. He said he made that choice because, and I quote, SEAS is the next frontier for Harvard, and its expanding campus in Alston promises to become the next major center of innovation. Fast forward to 2017, and that innovation is already evident. SEAS has yet to move to its new home, directly across the street from the business school, but that hasn't stopped the soon-to-be neighbors from collaborating. And that's what we're here to talk about today. This week, the school's announced a new joint master's degree program. The two-year full-time program begins in August 2018 and will confer both a Master of Science in Engineering Sciences and a Master of Business Administration. I'm here with the faculty who designed the program, Rob Howe and Beth Altringer from the Harvard John A. Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, and Tom Eisenman of Harvard Business School, Welcome. So good to have you all here today. And this is a really exciting thing for the for the university to be able to announce. And I think we want to share for our listeners some of the ideas that played into the development of the program and what makes it unique. So I'm going to start with you, Tom. Why is Harvard launching this program? What's behind it? Well, we want to help the world get to that frontier. Um, we want to educate leaders, future leaders of technology ventures. The world needs leaders who understand deeply technology and management. And this is a program that will combine that, um, give everybody a deep understanding of engineering, uh, build skills in design, and um, convey, as, as we do at the business school, a foundational understanding of management. Thank you. Rob, um, this isn't, I mean, th- th- I've read about other programs that sound like this. Uh, what makes this program unique? We're trying to come up with a unique mix of management training, engineering technical skills, and a focus on human-centered design methodology. And in particular, we think that this human-centered design methodology that's uh, a key problem-solving technique for uh, amorphous, under-constrained problems is the key to designing new technical ventures that, that can succeed in the real world. And so combining those areas give students a toolkit that they'll be able to use to push out into the real world in new, exciting ways. Beth, I'm wondering if you can talk about, like with this program specifically, what what excites you about it? What's most exciting to me about the program 
is that we have spent a lot of time um, up front coordinating amongst different faculty that would be involved with this. And they've all brought such a rich perspective to it. And I think it's exciting that we have started to reframe the way that we think about design as this kind of ongoing and risky decision making. And we've started to put together methodologies from, uh, as Rob was saying, from human-centered design, but also from um, decision-making literatures and other things like that to think really deeply about how we prepare the next generation of technical leaders to uh, make decisions about their technical problems, their managerial problems, and to do that in this environment that is constantly um, characterized by uncertainty. Can't you just be a good manager and go in and head up a, a technology venture as long as you've got a good CTO behind you? Well, often what we're seeing is the CTOs in some ways are becoming CEOs or taking on a lot of that responsibility. And to have the respect of your technical team and the respect of your business team is a, is a unique challenge. And it's one that we're hoping to better prepare our students for. Yeah. And I'd add there that early in a technology venture, the roles blur. Um, you have a founding team, and uh, everybody's playing a role in, in designing the product, um, in thinking about the business model. We, we see that process of, of launching a technology venture as a design process. You've got to get the product right. You have to really come up with something that customers love, that meets an unmet need, uh, and that takes a, a deep understanding of, of the consumer, the customer. Uh, you need to choose the right technologies so that you can actually leverage technology for an advantage. Uh, that's design. And then you have got to get the business model right. So all three tasks there are, are, are uh, combined across the team, and all of them involve design. Yeah. So is that human-centered design as you're, as you're thinking about it? I know that's an emphasis of the program. Oh, absolutely. But it's, an, it's a conceptualization of human-centered design that is not only about the product that you're creating, but it's also about the, the management of, the, of your process while you're creating that product. Tom, I know another focus of the program is the Lean Startup model. You work in the entrepreneurial unit here at, at Harvard Business School, and you're in that environment a lot. Can you talk about you know, how this works and why it's important for tech entrepreneurs in particular? The term Lean Startup refers to getting the right product and the right business model um, as quickly as possible with the smallest amount of resources a, a, as you can, smallest team, essentially. And uh, folks who follow that approach formulate hypotheses like scientists and come up with tests to, to validate or disconfirm the hypotheses, hypotheses about whether people want the product, hypotheses about how you're going to educate people around the product, about who you should partner with. And the goal there is to test those as because a startup is resource constrained, so as quickly with as, as little resource expenditure as, as possible. Um, the classic lean startup test is a Kickstarter campaign um, where you test demand before you've actually built the product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, in your work in the School of Engineering, Beth, with the undergraduate students, you're seeing, and you know, we see it from the business side, but you're seeing uh, students that are coming up through the engineering side. Uh, is this program, you know, built in a way that addresses some of the things that you're seeing or hearing from students? Oh, absolutely. I think where this program directly builds on what we've been learning in, uh, in different programs that are addressing the themes of innovation and entrepreneurship and design uh, that, it, that have been created at the university over the last few years. So in one way, in one specific way, we, we get a lot of students who, who want to build things. And they come from different areas of engineering, and they also come from all areas of the university. They come from 
liberal arts backgrounds. They're coming from the Kennedy School, the law school. Um, they're coming to my classes from the business school and from my classes to Tom's class and to Rob's class. Mm-hmm. And they're very excited about making things, about understanding how things work, and about becoming leaders in how they, they have they have ideas about how things could be made better in the future. And I, I think that this program is well set up to support that. Right. To add to that, I'd say that um, we see a strong and growing interest in entrepreneurship among business school students. A lot of them do take Beth's class. We can generalize about millennials. Um, I think it's a millennial thing that um, we've got a whole generation that wants to build and wants to make the world a better place by building. And this program will do that. This will take folks who can build and want to build and take them to the next level. So, Beth, I'd like to ask you, you know, um, I'm just curious about your thoughts on how this field sets up for women these days. I mean, is it, a, is it a sort of level playing field going in, or would a degree like this change that for somebody? I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of demand. Uh, we're seeing female entrepreneurs in undergrad. Uh, we're seeing more and more support for that, and I think that we're also becoming more aware of the ways that maybe that support has not been evenly distributed and I think this this program has the potential to to attract and it's you know part of our uh, mandate in the beginning is um, attracting a diverse uh, group of entrepreneurs and I think we will certainly get the students and we're open to, to getting students from lots of different places that aren't already necessarily looking at Harvard and I think we're better positioned to help them expand the network and expand whatever aspects of their entrepreneurial goals are not yet fully being supported. So what would you say to students who are thinking, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it in Silicon Valley. I'm not going to do it in Boston. What's the environment like here in Boston for this? There's a very strong uh, entrepreneurial community here. Certainly uh, robotics is uh, centered here on, on the East Coast in the Boston area rather than the West Coast. Likewise, biotechnology. The, the World Center for Biotechnology Innovation is, is here in Cambridge. And uh, it isn't exclusively Silicon Valley anymore. And we're deeply connected to that. Harvard uh, Medical School is, is perhaps the reason the Biotechnology Center is here. And uh, there are a number of robotic spin-offs, for instance, out of the Harvard Engineering School. So uh, this is a great place to be involved with uh, those kinds of activities. The VC community, Tom, is that uh, strong here as well? Yeah. Um, Boston um, is second only to Silicon Valley in terms of VC spending per capita, VC investment per capita. So um, we've got a, a, a terrific set of investors, and um, yeah, it's only getting stronger. Yeah. Let's talk about the network, too, because I'm just curious, Tom, from your perspective, how important is this network effect when somebody is trying to start up a venture? Really hard to think of anything uh, that's more important. Um, networks are crucial. The first way you use it is uh, typically almost everybody has a co-founder. 80%, um, 90% of, of tech ventures are co-founded. And uh, your network is how you find those early team members, how you expand the team as you go. Um, friends of friends, uh, this person you know is a great marketer, is a great engineer. Uh, and then when you're fundraising, um, our entrepreneurs here at Harvard Business School reach out to Harvard Business School graduates who are in venture capital firms and to 
um, folks that they worked with in, in past jobs. And then, of course, uh, mentors and advisors, so, so crucial to giving the advice that a team needs early on. So uh, every step of the way in the early stages, it's crucial. And we have this wonderful uh, facility that we opened up a couple of years ago, five years ago now, I guess, the Innovation, Harvard Innovation Lab, uh, which will actually sit at the nexus of these two things. Beth, I don't know if you've spent time over there, if you have a sense for what the environment is like there. Oh, absolutely. I've been involved since the beginning. Uh, and I've taught classes there. I mentor students there. You know, it's a it's a fantastic ecosystem for entrepreneurial-minded students and faculty. Um, actually, Biagio, fast forward. Our offices were initially at the iLab before we before we outgrew that space. So there are even examples of sort of student faculty. Uh, companies that have become successful that came out of the iLab. So this network is part of a of a broad ecosystem here, I and mean, we know that you know uh, Harvard has many many alumni that are out uh, in uh, working in this field in this area. How important is an ecosystem like that to somebody? Ecosystem is crucial. It it, um, it encompasses um, successful entrepreneurs who are going to be there to give advice. It encompasses um, investors and uh, Harvard, a, a large fraction of the uh, VCs out there uh, and professional investors out there in, in early stage technology ventures have been educated at Harvard. And these folks will play roles as mentors, um, as advisors, and help, um, help the early team members expand the team. Yeah, and I would imagine that ecosystem extends even beyond Harvard. We've got MIT here. We've got uh, you know, lots of universities in this area, which is one of the things that makes it a rich environment to be in. Yeah, that's exactly right. Absolutely. But it also it expands to the robotics community, the biotech community, the financial community, broadly speaking, beyond venture capital. And, and part of that will come to life. Um, it's a few years away from now, but part of the move to Alston is um, we're, we're calling it an enterprise campus. I think it's a, a plot of land about the size of the Harvard Business School campus, which is not a small plot. Right. Uh, that will be full of big tech companies, startups, um, professional uh, VC firms, and so forth. So. Uh, Right next to the engineering school and the business school will be uh, a whole bunch of big, small companies, laboratories, investors. So Beth and Rob, both of you have started your own ventures in the past, and I think that's important for people who are thinking about this program to know that it's being designed by people who have gone through this process. Tom, you know a lot about it, too, from your work with, with uh, startups and from your connections to HBS folks that have started up companies. But Rob, let me start with you. I mean, what is it about this program as you put as you thought about designing it? Did you do it in such a way that addressed some of the, ch the challenges that you encountered? Yeah, certainly. So when when we launched, you know, we were serious engineers and we had a great technology. And what you have to learn, hopefully not the hard way, is that what matters is the business. And the technology is what gets you the business. But you have to flip the way you think over and uh, spend a lot of time figuring out what that market, what that business model is gonna look like at the end. And there are a lot of ways to build that skill set. and I believe in this program, we've built in the right pieces so that you'll, you'll make that transition from a technologist, if that's your background, into a, a business person, a venture person who can figure out how to put together all those pieces and not just drive the technology into any place you can find it. Beth? I would say the biggest thing that I would have wanted more insight through an educational program ahead of this would have been is that how do I navigate the trade-offs? Anytime I'm spending my time doing this thing, I'm not spending my time doing another thing. And that's not something that was heavily em emphasized in my academic education. 
And then there are multiple ways to navigate those trade-offs. And how do I decide the right way? And how do I decide in the fastest way possible which trade-off to make and what should be driving that, you know, what methodology is driving my decision to make this trade-off or that trade-off? And one of the things I really like about the way this program has been designed is that it acknowledges that it's that sort of tricky uh, decision-making that you're constantly having to make about your product and about your team. And what we want our, uh, our students to go away with is a, an understanding of there are many different ways that you can make this specific decision. Here are the trade-offs of this way versus that way. And to help them learn to make those decisions quickly in the complexity of their context. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Tom, you've talked to hundreds, if not more, uh, HPS grads who are, we've got 80,000 grads out there. Many of them have, uh, have engaged in founding activity of one kind or another. What are, the, what are the things that you thought about as you worked with these guys to design the program that address some of the things you've heard? Yeah, you see the, the power of the HPS network um, every, every time you talk to these folks. Um, it's it's a, uh, a surprise to a lot of people, but over the course of their careers, 46% of Harvard Business School graduates will launch a business. And when they do, they turn to the network. Um, I, I do it myself. I was an MBA here in the 80s, and a week doesn't go by where if I've got to get smart about a, a, a company, um, a new business opportunity, I tap into that network. This is a place where, and, and Beth um, spoke about the um, importance of networks in, in building gender diversity as we as we try to um, boost the number of women in tech ventures. The scale of Harvard Business School can play an important role. Um, in the first year, you build these incredibly tight bonds with 90 people in a section, and there are people from um, every continent, from every business you can imagine. And in the second year, a lot of folks will specialize. So the the uh, the folks interested in technology and entrepreneurship will band together and take courses together, um, and so you have access to to uh, that subset of all 900. So. Uh, it's a lot of people, um, and uh, and they're dispersed worldwide, which is which is uh, important because uh, technology is all over the world. It's not just in one corner of the world. And you've talked about the tribe effect before at Harvard Business School. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, uh, we coined the term startup tribe for uh, uh, we, we had a set of students here um, in 2012 who uh, declared that they were going to launch businesses upon graduation, and uh, and they needed our support in doing that, and. Um, uh, they did a great job, um, and, and that continues to this day, of, uh, of students taking charge of, of um, we take care of the curricular and we help with the extracurricular, but we rely on students to take initiative. So uh, just in the past year or two, um, we've seen the students launch a design club, a club called Code, where uh, MBAs who don't know how to code program um, will uh, teach each other to do that. Uh, in a big data club, so people trying to understand applications of data science to business. So one thing I want to ask, that this is, I'm, going to, I'm going to flip the tables on Tom and Rob here. Tom, I'm going to ask you what you would say to an engineering student who is thinking, I don't need this, I can succeed on my own. And Rob, I'm going to ask you to say the same thing. How would you convince a, a business-oriented student that this is something that they should consider? Tom, you start. So I'd, I'd tell an engineer who um, wants to lead a technology venture, wants to found a startup, that there's a lot to learn about founding that startup, that, uh, that getting the technology right is very, very important, um, but one of many things that's very important. So you've got to learn how to manage teams. You've got to learn about finance. You've got to learn how to market a product and position a product. You can pick up those things on the job more slowly than you could in graduate school. It's exactly the stuff we teach in, a, in an MBA program. Rob? 
one of the things we're trying to do in this program is uh, provide this this dual skill set. So a deep understanding of management and a deep understanding of technology. And as, as Tom said earlier, in the early stages of a startup, it's, it's really important to get both of those right. And you trade between them. So the particular feature set of a product depends both on the business model, who's going to buy it, are they going to pay for all those things, as well as the technology. What can you really build? And how much will it cost to build it? Now, in many startups, that's divided among different members of the team. We aim to provide both of those complementary skill sets to single individuals, which has only got to help in the coherence and the success going forward uh, using those skill sets. Um, what do you think this means for future kinds of collaborations between the two faculties? I won't hold you to your answers, but I'm just curious. This kind of uh, you know, dual degree activity can probably spin off a lot of other kinds of ideas, too. We had a chance in, uh, in designing the program to talk to colleagues who'd worked on similar programs at other top schools. So there's a, a program at, at MIT, uh, Leaders for Global Operations, and um, that's a collaboration between their engineering school and the Sloan School of Management. Terrific program. We have colleagues here who've, who uh, have been faculty in that program, and they talk about how they met counterparts at the other school, um, folks at the engineering school, at, at, the, at the management school, and vice versa, and spawn research projects. So we have every expectation we'll see the same thing um, between C's and HBS. We'll find common areas of interest, and, and that will spawn research projects. We'll find other ways to, um, to create new courses. Uh, hopefully there'll be a lot more cross-registration of, of all kinds of students between the two, not just the MSMBAs. Well, I think this is going to break down the doors. Uh, traditionally, the business school and the engineering school have been literally at opposite ends of the campus, as mm -hmm. far as you can get to the north and to the south. And now we're going to be across the street from each other. In addition, the students in this program are going to be moving freely back and forth between the two. And we're also going to create a set of courses that are cross-listed in both schools. And with all that going on, we're going to see a lot of business school students coming over to the engineering side and, and vice versa, which I think will enrich both programs beyond the specific MSMBA program we're launching uh, in a couple of years. My sense is that we will have a lot more interest in this program than we can, than we can initially provide for. And part of what's exciting about the fact that engineering is moving next to the business school is we'll have many other ways that you know people will find their own ways their own programs to to create to to meet that demand very exciting so the class the first class is enrolled beginning in the fall of 2018 so uh, I guess people better get moving if they want to apply to the program they have to take the GREs right is that or the GMAT or the GMAT either one great Tom Rob Beth thank you so much for sharing this info today I think uh, students will find it very helpful thank, thank you, you. Thank you to our colleagues both at the Harvard Business School and SEAS for sharing their thoughts with us today. Be sure to check out www.community.harvard.edu impact for a more in-depth look at Harvard's robust ecosystem of innovation referenced in this podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Harvard and Alston podcast. We'll be back soon with more exciting and innovative stories from Alston.